and welcome to episode number 112 of the Lions podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run down all the big bets, all the big news, all the big happenings in this crazy gambling industry. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google, wherever your podcast needs. Go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We really do appreciate that at lines, at the Lions US, at PlayPix US. For the main accounts, at Brett Colson, at Matt Brown M2. If you want to follow us, we'll have some updates here on everything that's going on in the sports landscape. We'll do a quick review of this past week's golf heading into the St. Jude Invitational as we head into golf here, getting a ton, a ton of handle on golf, as you would imagine. And uh, of course, we're going to have some NBA talk. Like we mentioned last week, a full NBA preview with Jonathan Von Tobel. He is a very smart NBA mind has a show over on VEASAN, so be sure and stick around for that. We'll close things out with some talk of the NFL content that we're going to be have coming up for you guys as well. But, Brett, let's kick things off here, and I think this is one of the main things where, look, uh, in, in any other normal circumstance, maybe you would have a reason to kind of be upset. If you had made a futures wager, you were making a futures wager not knowing that the entire league and the landscape of the entire league was going to change, and that is what happened because you and I had a full Major League Baseball preview, <laughs> and we did not know at the time of doing that that they were going to expand the playoffs from 10 teams to 16 teams, which obviously would have drastically changed the way that we uh, we did that entire show. Yeah, but did it really? Obviously, the one, the one thing that did change is the, the playoff odds for all these teams because you expand it by 10 to 16 and now you've got teams that are far more likely to make the playoffs. But I was, I was a little surprised to see that there was such little change in the world series future markets outside of some of the long shots who obviously will have a better, a clearer path to get into the playoffs and actually have a shot at making a run in the postseason. But like the Yankees and the Dodgers didn't see a whole a lot of change. And we, we talked to DraftKings and MGM right after the change was made last week. And they basically confirmed like they weren't really going to move anything. Uh, but yeah, if I'm holding a Yankees or a Dodgers ticket, I'm not feeling great about it because right. now. And that's what that's mainly where it, it where it comes into play. Right. Because I mean, you and I basically on the show anyway, at least we said, hey, like we're, we're not really on these on these favorites anyway, because things can get just just wacky. But. I mean, that's a pretty massive difference getting a buy and having to play in the first round. Yeah, a first round and then a second round and then a third. I mean, this is this is a lot. This is a lot more games and a three game series to to lead it off. That makes me queasy in baseball because you just don't know. You, you play the I don't know. You play the Indians and you run into Bieber and Carrasco or Clevenger, and I don't like that matchup if I'm the Yankees in the first round. No, absolutely. I mean, so the way this works, guys, is so the top two teams from every division now is going to make it. So that's 12 of your 16 teams right there. Then the two best records from each league outside of those will will fill in the seventh and eighth seeds there. And now the first round, as Brett just said, a three game series where one will host eight and two will host seven and so on and so forth here. And I think this does go back to our speculation, though, from a little bit ago. And again, we just got lucky here, guys, where we were saying, hey, 
we wanted to take any sort of long shots and any oh, yeah. sort of stuff like that that we wanted to take. We wanted to make sure that it was a team that had a really, really good one-two punch in their rotation. And if they have a third, uh, if they have a third part of that rotation, then hell, that was good enough for me. And as you just mentioned, Brett, this is th- it. Really has played out absolutely perfect with that because holy cow, we are now seeing that uh, a three-game series. You can run out two dudes, two studs, and some upsets could happen for sure. I know there are a lot of people who are upset about this. What are your thoughts? I mean, we look, we have long shot tickets, so this benefits us. But for the people who have the Yankees and the, and the, the Dodgers tickets, do you think it's fair that the books left this as action? I listen, if you're the books, obviously you're licking your chops, right? Uh Like this is like the greatest situation ever for you. Um, So I understand why they left it there. I think maybe a, like a good faith thing might've been to maybe a good faith thing would have been to, to say, Hey guys, we're going to go ahead and cancel these and and let you guys rebet here. Because I mean, dude, this is, I, I mean, for those, for those favorites, for the teams that were going to to cruise to these one seeds, man, that is just an, a a massive, massive difference as to what's going to have to happen for them to make it all the way. Yeah, I would love to talk to the books and see where money has come in since they changed uh, the postseason rules because I can't imagine money on the Yankees would keep flowing in. But maybe, maybe the casual better doesn't realize that the like the huge difference this makes in terms of the Yankees' true odds of getting to the World Series and winning it. I, it, I, I don't know. I know that the odds for some of these long-shot teams to get into the playoffs has changed drastically, but has, has the Yankees' chances to win the World Series changed that much? I'm not really sure. Obviously, it's changed some, but they're, I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs anyway. They just, they just have to win a few more games. Yeah, but I think what happens is with that short... Uh, you know, with that short series though, it it just, it, I think that very first initial short series is where the, the main disadvantage comes in here because we're talking about a, we are literally talking about a team that if they run into two, they run into two really, really good pitchers and Cole has an off day. The series could get interesting real quick. We came into the season embracing the chaos. So uh, what we've seen here is baseball adding even more variance to the season, which could set up for a really exciting postseason, reminiscent of like the NHL playoffs where, where top seeds are bounced early. Yeah, the top seed in the NHL last year bounced in a sweep in the first round. I could see that happening this year, absolutely. Moving on here, Brett, let's talk about some sports that have not started up yet, but are going to be going here very shortly. The NBA and the NHL, one of the good things we do have coming out of those Bubbles is the fact that no new COVID cases have been reported. So unlike what we have seen in the NFL, where teams are reporting to training camp right now, already 21 positives as of this recording. I'm sure that number will (laughs) increase by the time this hits your ears over there. Um, But at least with the NBA and the NHL, it's proven so far, at least that this bubble situation looks to be working. Looks like it can work so long as everybody plays by the rules when it comes to that. So it looks like we're going to have an an NBA and an NHL season. Yeah, this is great news, obviously. Contrasted with what's going on, in the non-bubble MLB where we've got the Miami Marlins who their season's been put on pause as we record this podcast, but we're also still in the very early going. Like will, will NHL and NBA players get restless as we get into 
the the playoffs that's still to be determined a lot needs to happen in order for these leagues to stay covid free and in the nba especially you need to avoid infection at all costs because one player on a team can swing everything like this isn't baseball where it's a 25 man roster and it's just the next man up like if if an nba team loses a key player the impact is enormous so yeah, yeah no, fingers there's, crossed there's no doubt about it get and, and through like, this So far, so good, though. I mean, it, this this bubble situation seems like it is, in theory, it seems like it's it's going to work out so long as these guys just, just follow protocol here. I mean, and it, when you kind of like draw it out on paper, it makes sense, right? If you test everyone and everyone is negative, and so you know that everyone in this situation mm-hmm. is, is negative, so long as the contact with the outside world does not happen, and we've seen with the Lou Williams situation <laughs> that if you do leave the bubble, they are going to quarantine you, and they're going to make sure that you are good to go before you're allowed back in. If you did not read that story, we're not a gossip uh, podcast here, but go definitely read the Lou Williams story. It's pretty hilarious. Um, but look, I'm, I'm pretty confident actually here in the NBA. It seems like everybody's taking it seriously from the reports you're getting from the beat writers that are inside the bubble. It seems like everybody's taking it seriously. And I think that they realize what's at stake here if they don't. So uh, it seems like they're going to do what they can do to make sure they get this season in. I am very, I'm very happy with what has happened so far. And I am, I'm cautiously optimistic because it's, we're still talking about athletes who do dumb things all the time. So I'm not, I'm not fully, <laughs> I'm not fully expecting us to get out of here without at least one player uh, get, getting COVID. And hopefully though, they can maintain it, contain it and not have a spread like we've already had in baseball. The NFL players are starting to opt out, and this is uh, this is for you sports bettors out there. I mean, listen, this is something you need to start paying attention to a lot over the next uh, several days here. The deadline for opt-outs is August the 3rd, and here we are on the 28th of July, and the string of guys that have already started to opt out is getting long. So imagine over the next several days, we're going to get even more names hit the list here, Brett. And, you know, look – these names here, you know, Starla Taylor, uh, Eddie Goldman, Marquise Goodwin, Michael Pierce, all these, they're not like, you know, Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower. They're not like the super, superstars. However, well, actually, I mean, Michael Pierce was a big signing actually for the Vikings in the offseason for that defensive line of theirs. But, but, these are all definite contributors to a team. These are all definite starters to a team that are no longer going to be there. So while they might not be, you know, a quarterback or something who decides to opt out, these are definite people that we're going to need to monitor and take into account as we view these teams moving forward, because plugging. So we know how we know how thin the wide receiver position was for the Eagles last year. That's what you and I talked about ad nauseum was how thin they were. And here's a guy they went and got and now he's not going to play. So there this has definite impact on how we're going to look at it and view these teams. Yeah, and I think we're going to see more and more defensive. We see a lot of defensive linemen already here with Pierce, Goldman, Latule. Uh, you're going you're to see some offensive linemen as well because these guys are at higher risk. They are bigger guys. They are not in the greatest health compared to other pro athletes that are doing their business around sports right now. So, yeah, I think we're going to see more and more of this. The Patriots now have six, six players that have opted out, including two starters in the middle of that defense and Hightower and Chung. And that's a defense that was already ravaged in free agency. 
Yeah, and what that's it, as of again. That's as of this recording. Who knows yeah, by the time yeah. this hits? Who knows by the time this hits people's ears? How many? How many that might actually be? You know, so it's uh, maybe everything is playing out after all for <laughs> Bill Belichick. Like it's we one laughed of those things, at that. We laughed at that. We were but like, maybe, oh, could he possibly throw the season? And then here it is. Like he didn't even have to throw the season. The guys are just going to not play. I mean, this is going to work out for him after all. This is all part of the elaborate Belichick scheme. He, he this is what he planned all along, right? Yeah, he's going to get he's going to get either Fields or Lawrence <laughs> and and then we're going to have to deal with the Patriots being good for another decade again. So, uh, you know, as a Bills fan, you're like, "All right, guys, we got to win it all this year. Like this is it. <laughs> Here's our shot. Let's go. We got to get it done in 2020." Like that's all there is to it. I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good right now as a Bills division ticket holder. It's crazy to say that with a straight face, but that's where we are right now. Like even with Cam Newton, this Pats team does not scary, but that's also terrifying to me because if we don't win this year, when are we ever going to win the AFC East again? This has to be the year where it turns around. This is it. And guys, again, like these are things that as you start to make your futures bets, I know you're going to start paying more and more attention to that as we move into August. Uh, be sure and go in and do a little bit of research before you just blindly start betting these things. Maybe some of the lines haven't caught up to some of the news out there. Maybe some of the juice hasn't caught up to some of the lines out there and some of the news out there. So just be sure that you're paying attention to all this stuff before you go in and, and bet some futures and whatnot and make sure that you know what's going on with these teams, which is why we wanted to at least mention this as well. If you're looking into kind of the 49ers and we know the 49ers passing attack was spotty at best last year, Brett. Now Emmanuel Sanders is gone. He is in New Orleans. And then we get word today from GM John Lynch that Debo Samuel is likely to miss multiple games as he is recovering from a foot injury. George Kittle still hasn't gotten that new contract that he wants as well. This 49ers team uh, stock down for me, at least as we sit here on July the 28th. And this is, I say stock down as a team that I wasn't really high on to begin with. See, I was. I actually have a 49ers division ticket in my account from months ago. This was before the Debo injury, obviously before the Seahawks added Jamal Adams this past week. So I'm, I'm feeling less confident about them now, for <laughs> sure. But I'm still beating the market. I got them at plus 115, a number that I loved. They're currently around even money. I think they're at plus 110 at Fox Bet. I would definitely not bet them at even money right now. I, I think even 115, I'm not in love with because the Seahawks, that, that's a huge addition for the Seattle Seahawks, Jamal Adams. Oh, for sure. For so, sure. Um, yeah, I feel like they definitely closed the gap a little bit with that signing. And yeah, the Debo injury is huge. If they don't have players who can get open and make plays in this offense that's already lacking weapons outside of George Kittle, there's some concern there for sure. Yeah. And, and listen, uh, there's no rumblings right now that there's any chance that Kittle might sit out or anything like that. So that's not what we're trying to say. But what we are saying is this year is going to be weird. We just mentioned that there are a bunch of people who are mm -hmm. opting to sit out. And if he does not get the contract that he feels he deserves as he heads into this weird season, Brett, I don't know. I think that there will be. I think there will be at least one kind of shocker player come out and say that he's going to sit out the season before now in the deadline. I would bet on that. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. What, would, what would we, what would we set the line on that? Like one pro bowler from last year opting out. Yeah. I would set it at one and a half and I'd probably take the over. Yeah. It, it's, oh man, I, I hope not. 
I know not, but yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, expect the unexpected for sure. I mean, it's, it's, there's so many, we're just still so far away. We don't know really even with all this stuff that's going on in major league baseball right now, NFL has got to be scrambling. Like what is our plan in case this happens? They've got to figure it out. They need to. And hopefully they called instant meeting and hopefully they are, going over contingency plans here because, uh, you know, we, we saw how rapidly this can spread in a locker room, fortunately, as of this recording. And again, you know, the latency period when you get infected with the virus it can be up to 14 days. So we can't really just like, like cheer right now, but the Phillies did not test positive for that. So it, it seems to be that it was a locker room kind of mm-hmm. uh, contamination here. But again, these are football teams with 50 plus guys in locker rooms. And when you start adding coaches and different things, like that, I mean, you're talking 60 plus guys in locker rooms, things can spread rapidly. And, and I imagine that unfortunately it probably will. Yeah. Not to mention that their football players are, are a lot more close in contact <laughs> than baseball players. Right. So there's also that method. Um, but yeah, we, we'll see what happens here in the next couple of months. Some big news here for our betting. I mean, listen, this is this is the stuff that we've talked about here on the podcast several different times, and we're very, very glad when this stuff comes out. DraftKings and the PGA Tour have expanded their partnership, and so this now designates DraftKings as the first official betting operator of the PGA Tour. And, Brett, what this does here, by becoming the first to join the Tour's official betting operator program, DraftKings will have the rights in the United States to use the PGA Tour trademark. They're going to have the rights to advertise within the Tour media and Tour partner platforms, plus content and video rights, allowing DraftKings Sportsbook to create pregame and postgame betting programming, as well as distribution of highlights to users who have placed bets. And if you're the PGA Tour, I'm not there. If there was a silver lining for any of these sports leagues in this whole COVID mess, it was probably the PGA Tour who saw the interest in their product with them being the only game in town skyrocket. And with that, we were getting record handle on these tournaments that typically were just kind of an afterthought this time of year because we were in the middle of the other sports. And these are non majors, Brett, that are getting massive, massive handle, tons of attention here. And I think the PGA Tour and kudos to them realize that, realize this is an opportunity that they need to seize and that they need to go ahead and move forward with. And I'm really glad to see this between them and DraftKings. Yeah. And we started to see the writing on the wall, right? The last couple of weeks, we got a little taste of the betting vernacular on the PGA Tour live podcast Thursday. Last week, they would not shut up about the fact that Dustin Johnson was the betting favorite after shooting 80-80 the previous week. And they referenced DraftKings Sportsbook often during those two days, the Thursday and Friday. So I'm not surprised at all to see this. And I hope that odds and live betting become a regular part of these broadcasts as long as it's not like obnoxious. The last thing I want to see is it turning into something forced where announcers are like jamming betting markets down our throat during the final holes of a tournament when the casual fan tunes in and is like, what the hell are these guys talking about? But it is refreshing to see the PGA Tour finally come around and recognize who their audience is, especially on Thursday and Friday when really the only the betters and DFS players are watching. Give us the content we're looking for, live betting odds, odds for each hole in the featured groups. Get the announcers educated first so they're well-versed. And now you have a product that's catered to your audience, especially early in the week. One of the things that really stood out to me here was kind of that last line in that release was, 
as well as the rights for distribution of highlights to users who has placed bets. So say you have a futures bet on a dude who is in the mix as they head down the the final stretch of holes or something like that. And you get a push notification that he birdied and took the lead and you can click it real quick and it shows the hole being played and, and how that all went down and things like, I, I honestly think that this is, could be a game changer for the PGA tour if they go about doing this right, because you know, instant gratification is certainly a thing in this society that we live in right now. And being able to consume that content quickly and professionally and with it, like, especially with it being official content here. So they're going to have the best camera angles. It's not going to be bootleg recordings off of your television and things like that. I think this could be really, really big for PJ Tour. We've been talking about this for years. Like this is, this is our dream, right? Like even going beyond what you just said, like, can you imagine a Friday cut sweat where they're like sending you videos in real time of your guy on 18, like trying to make the cut. Like that's, that's, that's what we want. Like that's, that's what the betters want. That's what the DFS players want. And finally we're starting to see the PGA tour head in that direction. So it's great to see. Yeah. Love this. Uh, love this announcement. And for us betters out there, this can only be a good thing. So happy to have that as part of uh, the PGA tour moving forward here. The 3M Open was this past week. If you guys listened to the podcast uh, from last week, hopefully uh, you didn't go crazy with any oh. of the stuff that we said on it <laughs> because oh. bloodbath for uh, for me uh, this week after a awesome five-week run, all good things must come to an end. This is the nature of golf betting. This is kind of how things go. I had, I told, told Brett, um, had a pretty pretty good amount of money on Dustin Johnson in mm. some head-to-heads. And of course he withdrew after round one. So never even a shot for those to get home. And this is where we talk about all the time guys to know what your sports book uh, rules are and pretty much every sports book out there. As long as the guy tees off on the first hole actions live. Yeah. So despite the fact that Dustin Johnson withdrew and there was never even a chance for him to win that heads up match that I had against a couple of different guys, I lose those bets. And so I was buried from day one of this tournament. Uh, a couple of the top twenties got home that we talked about on the podcast. So hopefully you'd at least got those in there, but uh, Wolf got the, got the top 20, uh, Harris English got the top 20 for you. So at least those were, were winners, but Brett, this is, it's how golf goes, man. Michael Thompson wins the tournament. Final round 67, put him at 19 under for the tournament. Adam Long gets second place. Nine guys were tied for third. Thompson was either was 120 to one or longer at most sports books. I saw at Circa, he was like 130 to one to, to win this thing. This is a guy who was kind of a promising up and comer a decade ago, but really over the last six, seven years, has super struggled, doesn't have a win on tour before this one since 2013, had not had a top three finish since 2015. And here we are in the year of our Lord 2020 here, Brett, in the time of COVID. And of course, he's going to come in, go 19 under and win this tournament. Yeah, while five of the top seven golfers listed in betting markets missed the cut. Like that was, that was, it was not a good week for chalk. It was a terrible week if you liked the chalk last week. Rarely, if ever, in the four major U.S. sports do you see a 100-plus-to-one underdog win anything outright, but golf is funny, man. In a four-day window, any golfer can catch fire and come through at a big number. We've seen it year after year, uh, and 
I was on many long shots last week, but Michael Thompson was not on my radar. So <laughs> it was not a very good week for me either. Yeah. Um, if you played DFS this past week of the big tournament over on DraftKings, Brett, 2% of lineups had six of six make it through. I, I had 26 lineups and I think only one got five of six through. It was, it yeah. was a bloodbath. Yeah, yeah man. It, when you have Dustin Johnson and Paul Casey guys who were super popular and Tommy Fleetwood all missed yeah. the cut. So yeah, you just, I don't know how you project those things, but that's what yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you make money in a week like that, but if you did, congrats to you. Uh, well, it's a new week guys. So we're heading to the FedEx St. Jude invitational. We're going to be playing this in Memphis, Tennessee at the TPC Southwind. This is a par 70. We're coming in at about 7,237 yards here. We've got Bermuda Green, 78 players, Brett. It's a no-cut event. So keep that in mind as you go to make your bets here, guys. Everybody is going to be playing every round here, sans anyone that decides to withdraw. Going to need to hit fairways on this course. It is actually one of the biggest differentials on tour between greens and regulation from the fairway and greens and regulation from the rough. So if you can keep this thing in the fairway, it's actually should not play incredibly difficult. But if there's guys spraying it all over the place, we have seen one of the biggest differentials on the entire tour as far as getting those greens and regulation if you're trying to do it from the rough we're going to watch the weather here we're only doing this on tuesday so of course there's a lot can happen over the next 36 hours so guys just watch the weather but there is a chance that the conditions could be rough out there brett but this is uh one of those tournaments where we've seen some big name guys have some success here brooks kepka daniel berger we've seen some of these dudes uh have a ton of success on this track but uh, you know, look, a little bit stronger field than we normally see for this one. Again, typically these guys take this week off as they prepare for a major. So this is uh, th- this is a little bit tougher of a field here than we've seen in the past as well. It is, but I'm not a fan of the no cut events like the cut sweat on Friday is one of, one of my favorite things about golf betting. So these WGC events, the fields are awesome, but they take some of the fun out of it for me. But I, I will have a little action so we can talk about who we like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, so if you if you guys are kind of wondering how you go about attacking these no cut events, I mean, one of the things I think that is the biggest deal for me is I do like to bet guys that can go low at any given point because Brett, they're really never out of it at that point. Right. right I mean, yeah, we've we've seen guys that can miss the the cut by a single stroke and we know that they're capable of of, of going out and shooting a six under a seven under an eight under get right back into the mix a Justin Thomas for example who actually is one of my favorite plays on the the whole week this week because he is a dude that even if he kind of struggles for a round can always get out there and if he finds it is going to give you that that chance at least the chance at getting home for you and so really do like Justin Thomas this week uh, as far as like a top 20 a top 10 bet I'll have an outright on him as well but Listen, he's played. He has not finished lower than tied for 18th in any tournament that he has made the cut in in the last 12 months. He's only missed the cut three times over the last 12 months, and he and so if that tells you anything, he's only missed three cuts in every other tournament 
He has not finished lower than tied for 18th. And that's the type of consistency and the type of game that I really, really like in these top 20, top 10 bets and even taking a, a, an outright on. Yeah, and I, and I like following up those miscut guys, right? You can find some value on guys who didn't play one week, didn't play well one week and are set up nicely for the course this week. Um, yeah, I think Thomas, Thomas is a great play this week for sure. And I think that this this guy right here fits that narrative that you're talking about. Another guy that I'm going to be high on this week is Daniel Berger. If you talk about coming back after the break, he was a win. He was a tie for third. And then he got a cut. And then he didn't play last week, Brett. So mm-hmm. now it's a not only it's a cut, but he's a little bit out of mind because he didn't play. So he took the week off to regroup, kind of get back in. But, you know, we talked about this. If you can keep this thing in the fairway, you should be able to have a shot here. And he is great in total driving. If that's a stat that you guys aren't aware of it, it basically just kind of blends both, not only distance, but also being able to keep that distance within the fairway, because, you know, a lot of these guys are long, but if they're, you know, Phil Mickelson's long, but he's never in the fairway, you know? And so a a guy like Daniel Berger, who's also fairly long, but also can keep it in the fairway. Total driving is a good stat to look at. And, you know, look, we, we talked about how consistent he was before we went on the break. He came back, was as consistent again. And then, you know, golf's weird, as we just mentioned. So he missed a cut. It, it is what it is. And then he took the week off. Uh, two weeks of kind, kind of being out of sight, out of mind, has me really on Daniel Berger, where I think these odds are a little bit longer than they should be for him. So the question is, is Daniel Berger approaching like elite status on tour? Because that's what you're paying for right now is, I mean, this guy's priced better than like a, a Dustin Johnson right now so do you feel I mean you obviously you must feel great about him coming into the week but is is Daniel Berger headed towards like that Xander Schauffele Patrick Cantlay type level on the tour I I think so but we're getting him at 30 to 1 this week right which is just to me give me 30 to 1 on a guy here in a short field and and really that the game that this course and his game match up pretty damn well and I mean if we're looking here even at this top 10 bet that I'm talking about you're still getting plus 275 on Daniel Berger as a top 10 and you know you get that you win that bet even if it's a tie for 10 really really like what he brings to the table this week I'm gonna have a lot of him and another guy that I think kind of fell out of out of favor with people's Billy Horschel. He missed mm-hmm. the cuts at RBC and travelers, but then he kind of kept bounced back and wasn't in the mix in the mix. So I think it's a little under the radar to someone who doesn't dig in and do the research, but he did get a tie for seventh at the workday. He tied for 13th at the Memorial. So he, he, he might've been rusty when he came back out of quarantine, but the last two tournaments he played was kind of started to get his game back together here. Really like him as well as one of these guys for these top 20, top 10 type bets. And I feel comfortable in him kind of getting there. You're getting four to one on a top 10 for him. And if you want to take a flyer on him at 50 to one to win the damn thing, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to talk you off of it. Yeah, I can get behind that. Who's your, who are you going with? Uh, I'm back on DJ this week. Like the the price is just too good. Uh, Let's talk about this wild ride that Dustin Johnson has taken us on over the past month. Like he was 28 to one at travelers a month ago and wins. And we said then we'd never see him at this price again, but here we are after back to back eighties at Muirfield village and a withdrawal last week. 
where he just kept blasting the ball into the water last week. Now he's 35 to 1 at DraftKings in a field of 78. And yeah, this field is loaded, but hasn't he won here twice before? Yeah. And he just yeah. won on tour a month ago. This guy has crushed par 70s over his career. I like a bounce back here. I think the price is just way too good. 35 to 1 on DJ. I'm just going to keep betting him until he wins again because you know it's going to happen. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to win. He's either going to win or he's going to miss the cut. Another guy that I have a ticket on here, I don't think he has the game to win the whole thing, so I probably won't have an outright on him despite the fact that he's you know way up there at like 70 to 1. Paul Casey to kind of do a top 20, top 10 finish here. I mean, you're getting five to one for him to be on a top 10. You're getting, uh, you know, pretty good odds on him at the top 20 as well. With Paul Casey, Brett, it's another one of those guys here that, you know, kind of fits the bill of what it takes to have success at this tournament. He's not a long player by any stretch, but he's long enough and hits enough fairways where I think he can be kind of in the mix there kind of heading into the the weekend and all that. I don't think his game is really where he's going to win a bunch of tournaments anymore. These younger dudes and the way that these guys are playing yeah. here, I just don't think it really is going to be, okay, he's the guy that goes out and wins tournaments. But I can see Paul Casey a solid top, you know, T10 in this tournament here, and you're getting five to one on him to do that. It's crazy. He, he went like 15 to 20 events without missing the cut, and now he's got back-to-back missed cuts. So I don't know. What do you make of that? Uh, you know, look, I like to say, Hey, variance type deal, but let's, uh, let's be for real. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe we're getting into that. Maybe we're getting into that part of golf right now where, you know, yeah, some of the, some of the guys out there, the Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson's of the world can, can compete, um, against a lot of these guys, even into their, you know, their age, but we're talking Paul Casey's 43 at this point, you know, and maybe these younger dudes are just passed him by at this point. It's very possible. And that, that's, that's kind of where I am with Justin Rose right now too. Like what, what if Justin Rose just isn't that elite player anymore? At some point they're going to drop off. So with all these young, there are so many talented young guys in golf right now. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is bound to happen with these, with these older, older guys. Well, I mean, let's just look at, to, to drive your point home here. Let's just look right here at the at the top favorites in this tournament. John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Terrell Hatton. None of them are in their 30s. Yeah. None of those guys are in their 30s. Now you throw in a Webb Simpson, and then after that, it's Matthew Fitzpatrick, Colin Morikawa, Daniel Berger. I mean, it's it, it's just – I'm not going to say it's a young man's game because, again, we've seen some of these guys compete and and certainly – I'm not writing off uh, uh, these guys at all, but there is a decent chance to me. If you look at some of these guys like a Phil Mickelson and a Billy, you know, and a, and a Paul Casey and a Justin Rose, like you said, it's not that they're not going to be able to compete, but I don't know if they're, I don't know if I, it would not shock me if those guys never won a tournament again. Same. There is one guy Just, in his in his late thirties I do like this week, uh, and that is Shez Reevy. Uh, I like a top ten for him this week. A guy who always seems to step up his game in these tough fields. Last year he got fourteenth at the PGA Championship, third in the U.S. Open, eighth at the Tour Championship, and he has been playing well since the restart. He got twenty second at Memorial, seventeenth at the Workday. Good ball striker, pretty lousy around the green, but I, I like my chances for Chez who. For whatever reason, man, this guy just shows up. He's like the he's like the Brooks Kepka of, of like the the older guys. 
who just shows up for these big events. So um, that's the other bet I like. I like DJ to win and then like a Ches Revy top 10. I, uh, when you said a, another guy in his late thirties that you do like, I was nearly positive. You're going to say Mark Leishman because I mean, you know, ah, that's, that's your boy. I that's know. Your, and that's, that's another guy. I'm like, maybe is he like Rose? Like these guys have just <laughs> fallen off a cliff. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. You, it, it, it's a inside joke here guys, but, but, uh, Brett and I go back and forth every, every week whenever we're watching golf together, cause we have sweats and action and different things like that. And, and we both were kind of like, we were swearing off guys like here left and right. And he was like, maybe I need to get off Leishman. Like maybe, maybe Leishman's the guy that I got to get off because this guy's costing me so much money. So uh, that was a little inside joke between Brett and I. Yeah. I might have to quit, quit Leishman. <laughs> I might, I might have to, I, he's cost me a lot of money this year. It's, it's, it's getting out of control. So of these other guys here, uh, John Rahm, eight and a half to one, Roy McElroy, 11 and a half to one, Bryson coming in at 12 to one, Cantlay at 18 to one, and Xander at 20 to one. Those are your betting favorites here in this tournament. I already told you I liked Justin Thomas. Brett, of any of these other guys, I mean, I know that I know that we don't really jump up and down to bet the the favorites in a lot of these tournaments, but if you were going to pull the trigger on any of these guys, is there anybody that you would pull the trigger on? So you're giving me JT, Bryson, who else? Rom, McElroy, Cantlay, Xander, like all the all the betting favorites. I don't think this is a week that I would pay for the top. If I had to pay for one, I'm with you. I'd go with Justin Thomas. Yeah, I, I just really like his his game and his fit for this one here. I will have a future on Webb Simpson, though, uh, at 22 to 1. Again, another one of those guys who have to hit, uh, his game just really fits what I believe is going to be successful this week. So we'll have an outright on him and a couple of mats as well in Fitzpatrick and Wallace. I will have uh, small, small futures on uh, not necessarily uh, big money bets like I I tend to put down sometimes, but I I will have a little bit of a snort on both of those mats. And uh, maybe I'm a little partial because uh, (laughs) of the name, you know, I do like maybe I I got a wolf. I got to get a wolf in there as well. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just make a a, a mat trifecta bet, you know, of 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 how this coach is coacher playing this week. You get Mac Mac Hooter in there. too. (laughs) Um, I guess the the other question here before we move on and talk to Jonathan Von Tobel about the NBA season here is a guy that you mentioned. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood is came back across the pond, had an amazing practice round on Wednesday. Everybody was like, oh, wow, this guy hadn't skipped a beat. And then we get to the real then we get to the real uh, tournament and he just plays absolutely horrible. gets cut. He's coming in at over 36 to one in this one, Brett. And again, in a tournament of just 78 players, 36 to one on Tommy Fleetwood. There are three guys right in there on this board at that price who I am interested in. And one of them is Fleetwood and DJ's at 35. And then like Patrick Reed, nobody bets Patrick Reed. He's yeah. 35 to one too. I like all three of those guys in there. It's true. No, no, nobody, nobody bets him. That is absolutely true. And it's because they hate his face. Exactly. Like they, his face gets shown on television and they can't stand his face. He's so good so, though. 
there's a Matt Jones in the field this week. Yeah, so the I guess Aussie. I'll have to. Yep. So I'm going to have to put, uh, I guess I'll have to put a little, I, I'm going to have to sprinkle a little bit. I mean, like you if could. I'm going to take, if I'm taking all the mats, I, I'm, I can't like sit here and, and declare on this podcast that I'm going to take all the mats and not actually take all the mats. So I'm going to make it. an all mat team on DraftKings as well. There it we actually go. would be pretty good. It'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? I mean, I'd be okay. I'd be okay with that team. I'm feeling pretty good about that. All right. So uh, all Matt team uh, incoming. There's no doubt about that. Uh, guys, we were able to catch up with Jonathan Von Tobel of VEASAN, and we were able to get in a great conversation about all things NBA. So without further ado, let's go ahead and talk to JVT. Now join us here on the podcast. My friend should be your friend, Jonathan Von Tobel. You can find him over on the Twitter machine at me, JPT. You can find him on VEASAN. You can find him a lot of other places. You got a website. You got all kinds of things going on. Your own local radio in Las Vegas. I mean, what don't you do these days? Uh, I guess be an attentive parent, right? I'm so busy. <laughs> I'm so busy with everything else that my kid just goes by the wayside. No, um, no, that's about it. I play golf regularly. I have been wanting to play golf a little bit more, but now the sports are coming back. Who has time, right? There's, there's not going to be time to play golf, even though this is the best time of year in Las Vegas to play golf, because if you don't mind the heat, the courses are vacant. The courses yep. are empty when it gets real hot and you can just play. You can finish around in like two hours. Like it, it's unbelievable. I, I always try to go in the heat of the day to make sure that no one's behind me. No one's in front of me. If I'm spraying shit all over the place, which I do as it is anyway, I'm not worried about hitting anyone. I, I love this time of year for golf. Absolutely. You, I don't know, Matt Humans, uh, he's been doing, I think the last like three weeks, he calls it his hottest hell golf tour, uh, where he's just going to like the hottest locations around and just playing golf when nobody else is around. He's like a madman, but you're right. Like there's nobody ever out there. Uh, even the driving ranges too, like are relatively uh, empty too. If you want to just go around and hit some golf balls. So it's been great. If you guys don't know, John is a big time basketball better, knows more about the NBA than most people out there. Wanted to have him on as we get here closer to the restart. And Brett, I know you had uh, I know you had something right off the bat that you wanted to kind of get into here. Well, I guess I'm a futures guy. I love Benny Futures. I love finding value in futures because it's not easy to find. So that that's always a nice, uh, a fun experiment for me. But before we get into that, I want to ask you. How do you prepare for this week? We are in unprecedented times with the NBA uh, playing in a bubble. What are you looking for before you really dive in, dive into each game? Is uh, like minute restrictions, any other roster quirks you're looking for, like games that matter versus games that don't with the, the, the seeding games leading up to the playoffs. What are you looking for uh, as part of your process this week? Yeah, I think that's what makes it so fascinating, right? Like you're like you're kind of alluding to like almost everything from win totals, future seeding games are all subjective. It's how you view how these teams are going to handle these. Uh, but from at least my perspective, when I'm looking at it, I want to look at the teams that I know have something to play for, right? And that would include like all the teams that are fighting for the eighth seed in the Western Conference. Um, that would include some of the teams in the Eastern Conference that want to improve their seeding, like a Miami Heat who want to get out of that side of the bracket or the Milwaukee Bucks who want to move up a seed so they can avoid them in the second round and hopefully take them on to the Eastern Conference Finals if they can make it that far. So I, I think there's just a few teams that you can hang your hat on where you can go, I know what they're fighting for. I know what they want. And I know I'm going to get at least the best version of this team possible when it comes to playing. Uh, the thing that's tough about that, though, is a lot of those teams, as we kind of alluded to, are just teams that aren't very good. And so that's the tough part about it is when you're looking at it from that perspective, like a Portland Trailblazers, for example, right? 
Uh, the Portland Trailblazers now laying two against the Memphis Grizzlies. These are two teams that I know are going to be fighting really hard because they need – this is a very important game for both of them. So I think that's what I look at more. It's I look at the teams that I know what I'm going to get out of them, and I also look at teams who – Theoretically, you look at their seeding potential and where they're at and what their potential opponents could be, and you realize that maybe this is what they want to do, this is where they want to go, and they might be trying a little bit harder. And it's, That's the tough part about it, though, to go back to what I started with. It's just subjective because everything I think could be completely wrong outside of the four teams that are fighting for that eight seed. You know? what, what are you doing with the Wizards and the Nets, teams that have things to play for, but I don't even know. I, what are these rosters? I mean, what, right. what, like, how do you – how do you analyze what these teams are going to look like? Because we, I mean, we're going to see players that we haven't seen play all season. Yeah, so I think you, games. you can start with like the statistical profiles, right? Like you can look at the Washington Wizards uh, without Bradley Beal on the floor. Uh, cleaning the glass does a great job of looking at that stuff. And it's actually funny. We actually just did the Washington Wizards on the show today uh, talking about that because we're doing team profiles for every single one of these 22 teams in the bubble. And, you know, it's funny because you know, the Washington Wizards overall are just a bad team. But the thing that really sticks out, like with a guy like without Bradley Beal, uh, is their, their defensive rating gets a little bit better, but their offense is what really falls off. Their offensive rating this season with Bradley Beal on the bench is 106.2. Like, it's atrocious. He's such a big part of their offense. So I think that's kind of how you approach certain teams. I think the net, or excuse me, the, the Wizards are better to handle that because it's really two key role players, Davis Bertans and Bradley Beal, who aren't going to be there. That You can get kind of a statistical sense of what that team is without them, right? A team like the Nets is something completely different because not only are five guys who regularly contribute minutes to that team not playing, uh, but on top of that, you're adding new places up, two pieces to the equation, um, like a Jamal Crawford, who we kind of know who he is when you look at the past, a guy who could score a lot, but is not good defensively. And that's a tough part with the team about the Nets because there's so many new aspects to what they are. You can't go back and rely on them. And the one thing I thought when we were talking about the Nets actually two weeks ago was maybe you go back to looking at where they are in terms of the frequency of where they take their shot attempts and how they play offensively, right? Because that's coaching, that's scheme, that's inherent. So a little bit of that thing, like that's going to kind of carry over, right? Where they like to take their shots, how often they're in transition, how often they're in half court. I think things like that you can kind of rely on. And then you look at the pieces individually and go, okay, this guy thrives in this area of the floor, yada, yada. But at the same time, we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets and who wants to do that and break them down from that, like just really like get that into the minutia where you want to break that down. So I think that's where you start with Brooklyn. With Washington, you have a sense of how this team plays because you have non-bench minutes with the team that's really already together. So I, as you were, you just mentioned, you were digging into all these teams, getting team profiles done for every single team that's going to be playing. So as you were digging in, you know, you had a lot of time to dig in to these teams and really dig and get some number. Was there anything that jumped off the page to you as you kind of dug in to these various teams and team profiles? Were you going along and you were like, huh, that's uh, that's interesting. Something I didn't really you know, I wasn't really following, I guess, as we were, you know, going normally into the season. Yeah, I think there was, so the, the one team that keeps kind of making me like perk up, at least in terms of like where their value's at with them and what their numbers, tra- what their numbers suggest and everything. It's the New Orleans Pelicans, but it's not for what you think because the Pelicans have really become like the team, I don't know if I'm using this right, like the team du jour, right? Like everybody loves the Pelicans. Uh, the value's all gone for them. And the, I always use this example. Uh, the Pelicans, uh, at least here in Vegas, have the equivalent 
odds with the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are currently your five seed, right? And they're only outside looking in and have to force a play in <laughs> if they want to make it in. So it gives you an idea of how much the betting public and the, just the betting market overall respects the Pelicans. But, but Matt, to your question, like what's really actually stuck out to me is if you go back, because they've had Zion for 19 games, right? If you look at their 19 games with Zion Williamson, they are 10 and nine straight up. They are 10, eight and one against the spread. Um, but the team that they're competing directly with to win the eighth seed, the Sacramento Kings in their last 20 games before the break was actually 13 and seven. And they also made a tangible change to their lineup, right? The Pelicans added Zion Williamson, the Sacramento Kings actually threw Bogdan Bogdanovich into the starting lineup and benched Buddy Heald. So what I find fascinating that kept coming up in my research was just from that standpoint, you know, the Sacramento Kings, if you just took the teams away and you looked at their last 20 games and what they had done, the Sacramento Kings are actually kind of on par with a team like the New Orleans Pelicans and yet the betting market has so much more respect for a team like the Pelicans and the other thing that really stuck out was it's funny like Zion Williamson overall as an individual defender is not very good like if you watch him one-on-one he's he has yet to really obviously because he's only played 19 games at the pro level catch up on that side of the floor but with him on the floor, their defensive, uh, their defensive numbers are absolutely ridiculous. If you look at cleaning the glass when he's on the floor, their defensive rating uh, improves by 9.6 points per 100 possessions. So it's kind of weird that you have this anomaly where Zion Williamson, by all accounts, is not a good defender, and yet the Pelicans' defense improves with him on the floor. Their offense falls off a little bit, but their defense gets much better. And you have to, and I think this is where it's important to watch games, you really have to pay attention to why that is. And like, is that actually something that's tangible that's actually going to take effect or is just something we've seen over a small 19 game sample size. This isn't really something you can hang your hat on, you know? So I'm looking at some of these teams hovering in the middle of the East and the West who get a bump on a neutral court teams that would have had to go to LA or Milwaukee in the conference semis and had that built in disadvantage on the road. So a team like team like the 76ers now currently in the sixth seed. Now they don't have to go to Boston or Miami in round one. And this is a team that has been atrocious on the road this year. Plus now they get Ben Simmons back off the, you know, the, the back injury. He's had four months to heal. Are the Sixers, the team that has benefited most from the break and the bubble situation with the neutral court? I think they definitely are near the top of the list. And Matt will tell you, you know, actually, so I bet at the beginning of the season, uh, because I was really high on the Philadelphia 76ers uh, in the summer and coming in, I bet them at 12 to one, which is now an awful number considering (laughs) how poorly they had uh, been. Uh, But I have them at 12 to one to win the NBA title. And I've kind of been stubbornly sticking with that because you see the pieces that they have. And I think this benefits them tremendously for multiple reasons. Um, One of them is you you kind of alluded to it there. You know, I I think a lot of people are asking the question, right? Is this going to lend itself more to a home environment or a road environment? when you're playing in a bubble like this, I tend to skew it's going to be closer to a home than it is to road because you're living there. You mm-hmm. get to get in a routine. You stay at the same hotel. It is kind of like home because you're just doing the same things off the court over and over again. And you, like you said, you don't have to travel. So that's going to benefit the 76ers. Will they be as dominant as uh, what were they at home? Like 29 and two? Probably yeah. not. But they're going to be, I think, farther away from the road team that they were. But the other part of it is, uh, I don't know how much you guys have been watching these scrimmages. Um, and we have the eight seeding games to handle this as well. The Philadelphia 76ers, which didn't make that many headlines, they changed their lineup, but not only just adding Shake Milton, they moved Ben Simmons to power forward. Ben Simmons isn't their point guard anymore. It's Shake Milton. And Brett Brown has come out and said that. Like, it's official. And so what changes for them now is because you would think, well, still Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on the floor together, that, that doesn't make much sense. But it does because now Ben Simmons is not your primary ball handler. And now he's a guy who can rip rebounds, get in transition, still do what he does, but then he's not Clyde. The, the floor is not clogging up as much with him at the top of the key and, and a center like Joel Embiid who also likes to play a 
along the perimeter as well. So I think that's a massive improvement for them too, because not only do they get to play in this environment where it's not road, true road games where they really struggled, but they also get these scrimmages and these eight seeding games to work out a new lineup that they haven't played any minutes together, but theoretically should make a lot more sense. So I think Philly's definitely one of those teams. And I know you asked about mid-range teams, but I'll say, I think the Clippers too really benefit from this for multiple reasons, not only just getting bodies together and getting some continuity because they were one of the teams that had practiced the fewest uh, the fewest times throughout the regular season. But we know about once they finally take on the Lakers, right? If this was a regular season, even if they had the higher seed, those aren't Clipper home games. They're Laker home games. Now it's on a neutral in an empty arena. Like this is so much more beneficial for the Clippers in that sense uh, than it would be for any other team in the Western Conference. So I think those two teams immediately, the 76ers and the Clippers are near the top of the list in terms of teams who benefit from this situation. All right, so staying on the Clippers then. I mean, this, the Lakers are sewn into the one seed in the West. So now they face the Grizzlies or one of the other fringe teams out there. Just how much of an edge does that give the Lakers over the Clippers who are going to see the Mavs or the Rockets or the Thunder or the Jazz in the first round? Yeah, I think it helps them out a little bit. I will say this. I think like uh, I was, it's funny when we were getting ready for the postseason because we were approaching the home stretch. I was really interested in looking at the Lakers to win that series against the Grizzlies in the range of like in either four games or five games, but they were going to be a really competitive four or five games because of what the Grizzlies do defensively. So I think if they get the Grizzlies, they're probably going to win in four or five games again, but it's not going to be one of these series that I think they're going to walk through and win by, you know, double digits because keep in mind the Grizzlies, they actually, they took Taylor Gabriel's done a great job. They have a same defensive scheme as the Milwaukee Bucks where they cut off the rim. They'll allow you to take three point shots and the Lakers don't want that. The Lakers want to attack the rim and they want to stay away as much as possible from three point shots because they don't have a team that can really shoot that well. And so I think from that sense, it's going to be a tougher series than we gather. But to your point, right, you do still have to take on the Dallas Mavericks if you're the Clippers, if it falls this way. But the Dallas Mavericks are one of these teams where offensively, they're absolutely tremendous, right? They, they finished the regular season number one in offensive efficiency, but they're 17th in defensive efficiency. And when you get into some of the numbers in terms of their individual defenders, like they're not very good, right? If you look at a guy like Luka Doncic, who's near the bottom half, if you look at defensive real plus minus at his position, once you get to the bench, guys like Seth Curry, you know, guys like Hardaway, these are guys who aren't really good individual defenders. And so this is where I think the Clippers get a little bit of an advantage. Like they're a phenomenal defensive team and you get to take on a very poor defensive team when you're actually top half of the league offense. So I think on paper, it seems like Dallas might be like, you'd rather have Memphis than Dallas. Sure. But at the same time, I think they're just so poor defensively that the Clippers will be able to take advantage of it. And this will still be a series where they win, maybe five, win in five, perhaps six because Luka Doncic has one of those transcendent games. But you also get the benefit of playing another series in between. So it's not like they'll have to play the Mavericks and then go straight to the Lakers if the seating falls this way, you know? Our uh, friends outside of Vegas that are listening and watching this will know the sports books out there coming back after quarantine going to be really competing for your business. So we're talking here, we were talking about the 76ers just a second ago over at Fox Bet. Yeah, I could get them at 22 to 1 to win the championship right now. They're doing a boost over there. So just again, if you're if you're located outside of the Vegas area, be sure and shop these boosts that they're running out there because there's going to be all kinds of promos and specials and things like that. We might as well take advantage of the best odds that are there. Now, John, one of the teams that I keep hearing, and I think this is just people want to write articles because it's been a long time, and hell, they've had three months to think about things, but it's like the if-they-can-get-hot team, and it keeps coming up like the Nuggets, and people keep saying, oh, if the Nuggets get hot, though, if they can just put it together for three weeks, and, you know, the Nuggets, 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 this. Maybe it's just because the Nuggets burned me so much before quarantine with their inconsistent play and all that, but um, what's your feeling on this team, and do you think it's maybe people just trying to dig a little bit too deep in, into what might could happen in this bubble? 
Yeah, I think you're digging a little bit. But I also think the Nuggets have kind of been that team for a while, right? Like there's there's certain pieces where you look at Denver, you're like, wow, like there's a lot to like about this team. You know, obviously Nikola Jokic, the best player on that team. Jamal Murray at times well, looks like a burner scorer where he can like gather 20 points in the blink of an eye if he really wants to. Uh, and the bench was relatively deep at the start of the season, but they dipped into that at the trade deadline. My, my issue with the Nuggets is twofold. Uh, and it, a lot of it has to do with their offense because they're a slow-paced team that plays really good defense, right? But if you look at their offense, man, like the team – the thing that turns me off with teams when you're playing 2020 basketball you don't want to be a team that's built around the mid-range and there are certain teams that fit that profile the Indiana Pacers love to shoot or shoot from the mid-range and are built their offense around the mid-range uh the Denver Nuggets are another one of those teams they rank fifth in terms of frequency of mid-range shots like all of them long mid-range short mid-range um they love to shoot mid-range shots and they're top 10 teams in terms of percentage and yet they're 15th in terms of three-point shooting and if you look at things like transition offense they're dead last in terms of points per play in transition if you go over 100 possessions it's 115.7 30th in the NBA it's to me, you want to be, in today's NBA, you have to be able to run and get up and down the floor, and you have to be able to do more than just build your team around the, the mid-range because we know that the mid-range shot is dying up to this point. And look, they're eighth in terms of rim percentage in terms of what they shoot, but they're 20th in terms of frequency, so they're not a team that's going to press you and challenge you when you get to the rim, and I want that in a team. I want a team in today's NBA to be able to attack the rim, to draw fouls, shoot threes effectively and frequently, and also to be able to get out and run, and the Nuggets just aren't that. And once you get into a semifinal situation where you're taking on the Clippers, where you're taking on the Lakers, who are one of the best transition teams in the NBA, then you start to get up against it. And that's my issue with Denver. There's a lot to like about them, but for the most part, the way that they're built, it just really turns me off. And we've seen it a lot, man. Just go back to last year where you get game seven against a ho-hum Portland Trailblazers team after, by the way, being forced through seven games with the San Antonio Spurs. And you just go cold in terms of shooting because it's just not the team that you are. And we're talking about wide open shots too, that they weren't hitting in that series last year. And to me, that's just what the issue has been for the Nuggets. When your team that's built around an inefficient shot, eventually that's going to come back to bite you mathematically. And we've seen it in the past. And I think I just, I can't get over that myself when I'm looking at this overall, when it comes to the Denver Nuggets, you know? No, absolutely. Uh, so let's just get into it then here. I mean, we're not going to let you go without you go without you making some picks. So, I mean, who, who, who's going to get to the finals and who eventually ends up taking the thing down? So I, the Clippers are my pick out of the Western Conference. They have been – I've had them rated higher than the Lakers this entire season. Uh, their bench is better. Uh, I think their starting five is better. Like, yes, they, you can make the argument, and the argument is probably – is very solid, that the combination of Anthony Davis and LeBron James is better than the combination of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But at the same time, if you look at the teams as a whole, uh, the Clippers are better. So I have the Clippers uh, representing the Western Conference. It's hard not to pick Milwaukee, especially, a team, especially when I've been a guy who at the beginning of the season picked Philly to, eat the, to represent the East. Uh, but when you look at the East overall, with the Philadelphia 76ers struggles and the way Milwaukee matches up with so many of these other teams, I just find it hard not to see Milwaukee making it to the NBA Finals at this point, the way that all these teams are constructed. You know, I think a team like Philadelphia will still give them a lot of trouble because they're built to beat and handle a team like Milwaukee. Uh, I still think a team like uh, Toronto is going to be a really intriguing matchup for Milwaukee as well because they love to get out in transition and run up and down the floor, and they'll be able to do that. But the issue with Toronto is that, of course, they don't have anybody like Kawhi to match up with Giannis. So I think overall it's hard to not pick Milwaukee. So it's, it's somewhat chalky, but Clippers and Bucks. Uh, for me, are going to be the uh, finals representatives, and I do think that's the Clippers who are going to win this uh, overall. I think the Clippers are going to be your champions once we get done with the bubble in Orlando. 
He is Jonathan Von Tobel. Catch him over on Sirius XM Channel 204. That is on VEASAN every day of the week. Follow him on Twitter at MeJVT as well. John, thanks for the time today, man, and good luck with any of the any of the bets that you have either already made or that you will make here over the next few weeks. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Brett, uh, you know, when we talked about who we wanted to get on the podcast for our NBA preview, I was glad we were able to secure some time with John. One of the brightest minds from a betting perspective in the NBA. I mean, listen, very analytical, really digs into the stats here. He's not the guy that's going with gut feel or, or any of that. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I mean, there are a lot of people who are, you know, hashtag watch the game and are able to be somewhat successful betters. But when you, when you, with the NBA and as consistent as the NBA is, and with as true as we found that these stats can play out in the NBA, him being able to dig in there and and give our listeners some real insight into what he found, I I think is going to help a lot of guys out as we head into the, the, the bubble. Yeah. Impressive stuff. And I would love to pick his brain here maybe in like a month to kind of go over how he approached the season and the results of that. And then, like where we're at as we get deeper into the playoffs. That'd be uh, interesting to talk to him about. So our quick thoughts here as we go into this, it's really hard for me to argue with with a whole lot of what he said. I mean, when we look at the updated odds here, guys, over on DraftKings and FanDuel, and and even on Fox Bet, where you most of you know where it's available for most of our listening audience here, if you're in a legalized state, Lakers, Bucks. Clippers are all your very short odds. If we're talking DraftKings, 250 on the Lakers, 250 on the Bucks, and 333 on the Clippers over on FanDuel. You're not going to see much difference here. Bucks at 240, Lakers at 260, and then the Clippers at 320. And then if you want to head over to Fox Bet, 250 on the Bucks, 250 on the Lakers, and then 300 on the Clippers. Now there are some boosts that are available out there. If you were guys were listening to that interview with JVT, be sure to take advantage of those. I mean, Lakers to win over at Fox Bet has been boosted to plus 275. If you are interested in the 76ers, that has been boosted to 22 to 1. If you're interested in that Nuggets team that we talked about, that's actually been boosted up to 28 to one over there on Fox Bet. So, you know, Brett, they're competing for your business. This is going to be the uh, big time customer acquisition period before the football season comes about. And so we're we're seeing boosts out there. We're seeing some really good sign up specials and all of that. So. We say this every week, be sure and head to the lines and, and see what we've got going on over there because we, we have the very best that you're going to be able to get. But take advantage of all these things. Sign up at multiple books if you have to because uh, they're going to be competing for your business. You mentioned the boost on the Sixers at Fox Bet. It was plus 2,200, right? Yes. You're not going to see that anywhere else. The money is pouring in on the Sixers at DraftKings and FanDuel. That's going to continue to drop. So I would say if you are in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, that area, get and you like the Sixers, take advantage of that at that boost on uh, Fox Bet because that number is probably going to keep dropping. One of the props you can bet over on DraftKings also, if you hit the Team Futures tab over there, guys, you can click on NBA Finals Matchup. If you are pretty confident, and how you feel like this is going to play out. Bucks versus Lakers comes in at plus 310. Bucks versus Clippers comes in at plus 350. And then everything from there just gets kind of wacky or whatever. But if you're if you're fairly confident that it's going to be the Bucks and one of the LA teams, plus 310 and plus 350 are out there as well. There's a bunch of different ways that they're allowing you 
to go ahead and, and bet these teams here, Brett. So, um, you know, look, everybody's looking to get a little action down. Maybe you want to get action down in a different way. I'm not going to tell you to not bet some of these different things because, hey, I understand most people aren't betting very much money anyway on, on these deals. So if you just want to sweat and something to root for down the line, uh, you know, go crazy with your with your $20 bets. I, I don't see any harm in in that. Yeah, I'll be doing one of those. I, I like uh, I like one of these long shot matchups. 76ers Rockets, 80 to 1. There we go. I'll probably have that one in my account. There you go. Look at that. An eight, 80 to 1, too. How do you like that? 80 to 1. That that's is no, a, that's, that's never getting there. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun for the first few days, though. Yeah, but I mean, hey, it's it's uh, like you said, you're, you're going to be sweating anyway, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's you're going to be sweating you know, anyway, so you might as more well. Interest, a little more interest in it. Yeah, might as well take a minute. If you think it's going to be the Bucks and the Clippers, you can actually get plus 370 over at uh, FanDuel. So you can get even a, a little bit better number over there if that's something that you are interested in. But I think our, uh, Brett, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think our position kind of stays the same. And I think John echoed it in the deal there. I mean, look, we figured that it was going to be very tough for any of these other teams to outduel these the, the big three he feels the same way. We've kind of been beating that drum here for the last month. And I, I really do. I think it's going to be one of the LA teams and, and the bucks here. And I just don't see maybe some craziness happens. Like we said, maybe a, there's a, a COVID thing hits and then it flips this whole season on its head, but let's just assume that that's not going to be the case. And if that's not the case, then uh, I think the big three are going to be really hard to beat. Yeah, the problem in the East for most of these teams is maybe outside of Miami, there's just nobody who can match up with Giannis. It's right. just not. It's just not going to happen. So it's just it's a it's a matchup nightmare. And with the way the Bucks play defense, I I don't, I just don't as as much as I want to love the Sixers to get through there, I just don't see it happening. So yeah, I think the Bucks probably get through. And then I I do think there is a pretty big advantage there for the Lakers. With them not really, I don't see them being tested at all in the first round. Where if you're the Clippers, you have to get through a good team in the first right. round, and that's I I don't love that. So yeah, I would take Bucks versus Lakers. It's not not sexy, but that would be my pick with the Lakers winning it all. So let's talk about a a pick'em national championship here that DraftKings announced. Yeah, this came through last week, and we ran out of time to talk about it because of our baseball preview, but. DraftKings has announced the Pick'em National Championship. It is very similar to the NFL handicapping contests you can find in Las Vegas. And different than what DraftKings did last year, you and I took part in, it was a $500, you can make as many picks as you want each week as long as you didn't go over 70. This is, you have to pick five every week. I think... I think I read that you removed two of the weeks. Yes. But it is very similar to what the handicapping contests look like in Las Vegas, the uh, the Westgate Super Contest, and then the Circa, which launched last year too. But um, million-dollar top prize here for this DraftKings Pick'em National Championship, $2 million in total prizes, a $1,500 buy-in. You can't have more than three entries. Right now, it's only in New Jersey, but they are expecting to have more states added. So that would include states where DraftKings is now offering legal sports betting, including Pennsylvania, hopefully like Illinois, Colorado, so that they can really build this thing up, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm excited for something that can expand the, these handicapping contests across the country because they are, they are my favorite way to get money down 
on the NFL season. Yeah, I and we'll uh we'll see about, you know, getting involved in in that thing as as well as we did last year and and we can talk about the various contests that we're in on the podcast, which kind of leads us into how we're going to close things out here today. Talking about our NFL content, you know, we're we're going with the assumption like the NFL season is like the NFL is as a league that we are going to have an NFL season, Brad. And so with that, already getting out some betting guides over there on the lines for each of the teams, we'll be going down all the teams and giving our thoughts on all those teams as well in video form, kind of breaking that down. And also, we'll talk a little bit of fantasy as well. We know you guys are going to be having some drafts come up here in probably about three weeks. And by the way, just a little word of advice. If you are doing if you are doing like your home fantasy draft, talk to your buddies and just hold out as long as possible. Yeah. Brett, like, like, wouldn't you like wouldn't you say that's the way to go about it this year? Because, I mean wackiness is going to happen. Things are going to get weird. And what you don't want is to do the draft too early and your first round pick or even a couple of first round picks or however it might be, you know, either get sick or, or hurt or whatever it might be. Like I, with the NFL more than any other sport, I always recommend waiting until the, until you feel comfortable, but waiting until like the, the last minute that you feel comfortable in doing these drafts. I understand people are bored and have been bored for months. And I know a lot of people who have, who've done drafts already for this upcoming season. Don't, don't do that because you could just end up totally screwing things up for the year where you've got four guys on your team who are sitting out multiple weeks because they, they've got COVID. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff you want to avoid and it's just going to ruin the season for you. So yeah, wait until the very last minute where everybody's on a, this, a level playing field going into the season. The only thing I would say, and I know that you've actually started kind of dabbling as well, where I do recommend kind of doing stuff early is some of these best ball drafts that are going on out there. And I would actually recommend doing those earlier if you feel like you have a pretty good grasp on who backups could be mm-hmm. and different Because I think that there is a, a decent edge in those going at them early because, uh, guys, if you're not sure how these best, best balls work, like there's no waiver wire. So basically, once you draft a team, that is going to be your team for the course of the season. So you don't have to worry about somebody having a bad draft and being able to come back in and, and fix their team through the waiver wire process. That's not how it works. And so if you feel like you've got a pretty good grasp on how some of these position battles are going to break down, how some of the depth charts are going to end up, who a key backup might be, should anything get weird in this season. Brett, I actually think that there is a little bit of, of advantage of doing those early. Yeah, that's the big thing is – identifying guys who are going to get opportunity if something happens on their roster. So getting those guys late in your drafts and loading up on those type of players versus a guy who has, who is going to get playing time and has literally like no ceiling that that's how you attack these best ball drafts. It's always go for the guys who have upside. Um, but yeah, they, they've been a lot of fun so far. Uh, keeping me busy getting ready for the NFL season. I hope we have an NFL season. Otherwise this is a lot of hours to waste doing all these best ball drafts. <laughs> well, again, we are proceeding as if there is going to be one. So we will have a ton of content for you guys uh, here over the next month. And we are going to really start cranking all of that stuff out and hopefully get you ready and, and get you with some bets in your account that you feel comfortable about and that you feel good about as we head into this weird, weird 2020 fall that is uh, certainly going to throw us for some bloops. There's no doubt about that. Uh, 
Big thanks to John Von Tobel for joining us here for the NBA kind of preview for that. And of course, guys, as always, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate all of those at the Lions US, at PlayPix US. And if you want to follow me and Brett, at Matt Brown M2 and at Brett Colson over on the Twitter machine. For Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>